Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Seven Engineering Vibe Podcast. Now in this podcast, me and Dr. Ghanem Kashwani, we like to speak about different topics. And topics like what we want, for example, startup, entrepreneurship, new trend, mental health, and career, and self-improvement, and seven engineering, and sometimes another thinking major. We like also to interview other people from other fields. So we like to get the expertise on how they can benefit us and benefit society. So let us jump to the episode. And thank you guys. I'm wishing you the best. Take care. Ladies and gentlemen, in this episode, we speak with engineer Rob Kalwaruski. He's an MIT graduate who graduated from mechanical engineering in 2010, and he worked in a couple of companies in oil and gas in Canada. Like he worked as a pretty engineer and a couple of jobs here, there, there, many jobs. However, he had a rich, you know, he got to a period depression and got a mental health issue during his job and his career. I understand that. I've been there before in my job because, you know, I know the construction, how it is hard. So I, we have several, similar, you know, similar issue with them, with him, sorry. And so in 2020, last year, he opened a podcast about, about, you know, about dismantling the performance narrative, which he spoke about mental health and injury, and also he opened another hold called the Leadership Launchpad Project, with about to talk leadership and injury, because I, he believed that both of them are you know, are, are matching together, which I agree with him, to be honest. So let us jump to the episode and let us listen to him and take care. Bye. So, hi, Mr. Rob. How are you? I hope you are doing great. Good. Thanks for having me. Okay. So can you introduce more about the audience, about yourself? Absolutely. So I'm Rob Kalvaroski. Um, I guess right now, so my, my day job, I am an asset class manager at Enbridge Pipelines. So I... I work basically as an engineer, but I manage valves across North America. So my portfolio is in the thousands of valve range, and it ranges from Northern Canada to the United States. Um, I guess before that, I used to, I worked five years in engineering consulting, mainly in the reliability and maintenance side. And I worked across industries. So I worked in mining, manufacturing, oil and gas, uh, power plants, shipping, basically anything um, across, uh, again, across North America. And uh, before that, I worked two and a half years in, in coal mining as a reliability engineer. So I have a, a, a mechanical engineering degree from MIT. And right now I am, I host two podcasts. So one of the podcasts I host is called Dismantling the High Performance Narrative. And it is focused on this intersection of high performance and mental health. And so I, I was on the junior national team for water polo. I went to MIT and I really feel like there is a lack of just treatment options available for people where they are succeeding and they are doing things in their life. And like I was literally told by a psychiatrist that I wasn't depressed enough because I could go to work every day. And I think that there is, there's a lack of understanding there. Um, the, the other podcast that I listen to is, or sorry, that I host is called the leadership launchpad project. It's very much about people centric leadership and concepts like psychological safety, empathy, vulnerability, and using these type of, you know, purpose and meaning and how to use these strategically to not only get more from your people, but also to have everybody go to work and be happy and healthy. And that's something that 
I just really am passionate about. Uh, so, uh, Rob, um, you know that um, mental health and uh, engineering and construction, uh, many people are not covering these topics. And um, first of all, why they are not doing that? I mean, as a, why you think that people are not covering these topics? Uh, second things, uh, should we like? Um, I'm working in academia. And um, I never find any curriculum in engineering in different universities they try to teach for engineering mental health. Although that work on the site, it can be very stressful. Mm-hmm. And uh, because you are dealing with uh, labor, you are dealing with um, client, contractors. In general, why, 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 why we are lacking this in, uh, in engineering, in vocational, in academia? Why we don't have the proper education about mental health? <laughs> I, to be honest, I don't even know if psychiatrists get the proper education in mental health sometimes. Um, but, but I mean, like, let's break it down, right? So mining, oil and gas, construction, forestry and agriculture, like basically these male dominated, you know, blue collar type work environments, the suicide rates in those industries vastly are there two to three times the national average in the United States. So I would expect that to be similar worldwide. Australia has a suicide in construction industry every two days. So we're talking about 160 to 170 per year. These are massive problems. Now, the 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 reason why nobody talks about it is it's hard and it requires vulnerability and it requires somebody to step up and and have that conversation. And like before we jumped on, you know, you mentioned that it's, there's a stigma around it. And we always talk about the stigma in mental health. And I don't really like it because basically all of us struggle with mental health at some point in our lives. And, And I'm not saying that necessarily you have a clinical issue and that you're going to have to go to therapy or you're going to have to, you know, take medication or anything like that. But you're going to have a bad day and that may be a bad week. It may be a bad month. It may be because you had a breakup with your partner. It may be because your pet died. Whatever these things are, you're going to have a bad time. And we're always on a spectrum of happy to sad or like, you know, happy to depressed, whatever you want to call it. And so really we shouldn't be thinking about mental health as like, hey, I'm different than you because I have a clinical issue. It's we all we all suffer at some point and we're all here and we all want to be happy and we all want to live a life that fulfills us. And so the people who struggle, like sometimes, yeah, it's a chemistry issue in your brain or it's a, you know, a genetic issue or whatever, but it doesn't make us different. And then the other side of it is like, if I, if you have a broken leg, it doesn't make you bad. And it's just like, for me, like I have depression. Does that make me a bad person? Not really. It's, it's a medical issue. And so we just need to kind of normalize the conversation. And I think the reason why it's so hard in, in like an industry like construction is we're mostly men. We're mostly, you know, macho type guys. We work 12 hour shifts. We show up, we drive hard. You know, some, sometimes you're fly in, fly out of like some remote area and like, we don't talk about our feelings at all. It's not even just a matter of, I feel bad. It's like, we don't talk about feelings at all. And it's not just that. It's like, that's the game, right? And it's, 
We don't talk about it at work. We don't talk about it even with our wives or girlfriends or whatever. And so, you know, it's it's really about showing up and and kind of reteaching everybody what being a man is. And I don't think it necessarily needs to be this, I am a robot. I think there's more to being a man than being a robot. So, Rob, I mean, you touched a very sensitive uh, point that about suppressing your feeling, you know. I think it is more, it's not only in construction, I, th- I think it's social conditioning where many people, they, it starts with kids, you know, I have um, a young daughter and I have a son. So my daughter is five years old and when she starts crying, I'm not telling her don't cry, you're a big girl. No, no, I say please cry. After you finish crying, let me know. And and she's five years old and now she's repeating this after me, human do cry, you know. I want to make sure that cry, there is nothing shame to cry. It is another kind of feeling that you need to express because not processing feeling can lead to many uh, disaster situation. You need to, to pour this feeling, you know, either by journaling, by crying. Um, you need to pour it. You need to suppress it somehow. You know, I, I'm you know I'm a big fan for uh, positive psychology and for you know uh, Professor Martin Seligman, for Professor Robert Emission. And I'm reading a lot of that, and uh, nobody denied the importance of expressing your feeling. You know, positive psychology is not saying that you will be happy, happy, happy. And no, it doesn't work like that. You will have, as you mentioned, you have bad days, especially in construction. You know, it is very fragmented sectors and the blue cover in this in general is very hands-on and very stressful. But once we accept the vulnerability and we see vulnerability as a tool of strength and instead of tool of weakness, I think it is game changer. It is how you change your perspectives. And I think it is... Um, I think Victor, uh, Dr. Victor, who has this famous book called Minsters for Meaning, he said that uh, they can take your physical freedom, but not your psychology freedom. So when you start seeing things from different angle, then this is where you can control your own happiness. And I remember there is a book called That Happiness. It is, it is not the event itself. It is how you see the event minus the expectation. So I like this this simple equation. I, I think maybe Atif, you can, you know, because me and Atif, we talk a lot about these things. And maybe Atif, he has his own angle about this topic. To be honest, Ghanem, yeah, I agree. With, uh, first of all, I resonate with you, Mr. No, Robert, about, that, about mental health. We usually tough it up and we don't speak about it a lot, especially in construction. I agree with you. Because we, we have to be man. We have to be tough in the construction. We have to be like, we have to be machos and we have to be like, we have to be mustachos, machos guys. And if you be like, if you be like, you know, if it, it, it's, if you be vulnerable at the construction, they're gonna, you, it's gonna be backfire you there, especially. I personally face it, to be honest. To be honest, I personally face it as me, Rahman out of life. I face it there when I was trying to be vulnerable. People take it like I'm a weak person and we have, there has been issue to be resolved. I understand construction is a tough mar- tough market. I'm not telling it's not an easy market. I I'm there and we do seventeen hour sometimes seventeen hour straight shift working, doing night concrete, casting things. So I know how to do it. But yeah, Ghanem agree with him. Like you have to be always happy, you have to be what you have to have your feeling. It's okay. It's okay to have to feeling. So what do you think about it? Like you have as Professor Ghanem said, you have to feeling, you have to bore it in. Is it we should have always like support group or something like that to have to put in our feeling so yeah i mean having a support group is is super valuable right and it's 
because a lot of what we we learn as men i mean as women too but but it's i think it's um it's it's probably more in terms of men it's like you hear this and like the example um ganim that you gave about your daughter is perfect right it's like for a lot of us men there was some point in our lives where when we were a child basically from when we were born till when we were 7 or 8 years old and maybe we cried and a parent went don't cry and then we formed a belief in our mind that crying is not for men or not for boys or not for manliness or not for macho-ness or whatever or we could have seen it in a movie we could have gotten it from a teacher we could have got it from anywhere like and basically for the rest of our lives we learned that crying is bad and like for me i probably didn't cry from i don't know 9 or 10 years old till about 2 years ago so 32 or 31 right and it's like it's exactly what you said right it's like we need to just if if a feeling comes to you and you can feel it they actually they this is very common in dbt therapy you just ride the dbt wave that's what it's called and it's like you process the feeling it, co- it gets intense then it goes then you've sort of processed through it then it comes down and then you're back and like that's a super common way of just like processing a feeling now what we're usually taught is like hey stuff it down and show up and you can stuff it down for a long time but eventually like you get to a point where you crack and my therapist told me this example from one of her customers where it was a it was a nurse and she like basically had some traumatic event and she stuffed it down. And about 25 years later, um, her husband and her got a divorce. And basically like it unlocked, like it, it led to this traumatic event and just like locked her out. And she like couldn't work again. Um, but yeah, it's like we, we as people, regardless of your men or women, regardless if you're in construction or you work in a grocery store, um, you have to learn to process your feelings and how you do that, whether that's a support group, whether that's in therapy, whether that's at home, doesn't matter. You got to learn how to do it. What about emotional intelligence? You know, many, you have another podcast about leadership and, you know, many people now, they say leadership or leaders, they should have somehow of emotional intelligence beside their IQ. And um, I'm, I'm not sure what the proper definition of emotional intelligence, you know, as a leader, definitely will have different personality to deal with. And um, what are your insight about emotional intelligence as a concept and how we can apply it as leaders, as engineers, uh, how we can get the best of it? Yeah, so, so I teach it um, as part of the leadership program that I do and the leadership coaching that I do. But emotional intelligence is it's more than just understanding how you feel. It's that extra step and really understanding what lies beneath that feeling. So what triggered that feeling? What's the belief that that's underneath it? And that belief needs to be self-facing. So it needs to be an I am something. And then underneath that, there's going to be some legs of proof. What, why is that belief true for you? And then finally, there's a reframing aspect to this. And so it's like, let's say, you know, I'm jumping on this podcast and I start feeling anxious and I dig into it and I go, well, I feel like I'm not qualified to speak to your audience for some reason. 
well, what's the leg of proof? Well, I've never worked in construction. Okay. Um, that's fine. But maybe, maybe how I can reframe that is, yes, I've never worked in construction. However, I've spent 10 years in heavy industry across a bunch of different industries. They're very similar. I've, you know, I've been at job sites where they're building things like the men are basically the same men. Like they, they switch from one side to another. And also like, we're not talking about the details of like how to build a foundation of a building. We're talking about details around leadership and mental health, which I am an expert. So that's a way to reframe that belief that, Hey, and that feeling about anxiety and really show up and be like, well, I deserve to be here. I have value to offer to your audience. And so that's how I would teach it to each of you and to your audience is basically like the first step in emotional intelligence is ourselves. So when do we have these feelings that are holding us back from being our highest potential leadership selves? And then the other aspect to it is when I'm managing a group of people, you need to apply it to them too. So if they show up and they're mad today, why are they mad? What's the belief behind that? Can I empathize and connect with them and maybe help them reframe that belief so then they can be better? That's kind of the two sides of the coin. But it's definitely like in all our jobs, we work with a team. Whether we are the manager or not, we work with a team. And so you can, you can be a leader for people around you. I love that, especially you have to, when we talk about emotional intelligence and we have to go emotional intelligence and mental health because they are, they are, sometimes they are conflicting between your personality and your emotional intelligence. You have to separate yourself from the work to the, between the work and between the, you know, the construction or between the, your personal life. I face it personally from it. I've been there during construction time. I really suffered a lot from it, especially when I was so young, because I used to take everything personally. It's not to the job, but personally. So now that question, now it will come to my head. Professionalism versus personality versus vulnerability. Like how we can manage them, especially in the workplace, because this is really a very tough question. Like we have to act professional, but we don't have to show our vulnerability. Or we have to show other work vulnerability, but it will it will reduce from your emotion and intelligence and reduce your professionalism. How we deal with that? Yeah, and, and this is all about boundaries and basically what what we teach is, is, is called a container. And so before, if you're a manager of a team, you need to have yourself and the team define a social contract of like how you behave. Because without a social contract, like you can get really, basically you can turn it into oversharing. And I think Brene Brown talks a lot about that. But but it's very much about have a social contract. So what are you able to share? What is the expectations of your team? How do you come out, right? And vulnerability, like to your point, it's like vulnerability is not a, not necessarily about sharing your deepest, darkest secrets, Right. Like, it's not like I have to show up here and talk about my suicide attempt or anything like that. It can be something just like when someone on your team shows up and says, hey, like, do you know how to solve this problem that we're having? You can just say, hey, no, I don't, but I'm going to look into it for you. Or we're going to go, you know, ask Bob together or whatever. Like that, that is vulnerability. Like showing that you're not perfect is vulnerability. And so it doesn't necessarily have to be about talking about mental health at work, 
but it can be, you know, just stuff like, hey, I'm not feeling well today. I'm anxious today. Like these are things that are fine or even I don't know the answer to your question. That will hit another question now because because imperfection, that's something in the workplace. They accept it to be the best perfect ever engineer from the interview day number one. You have to be the short like you are the guy who gonna resolve who's the Elon Musk number two when you're gonna go to interview. Like so because now because this question suddenly you pop it up in my head, okay. Now they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna ask a question, they're gonna have some ex- bad expectation about you that you don't know this, you are not an expert person. Come on, so why you what happened during the interview? You show us you are the perfect guy. So how how can engineer can figure that especially from the interview? I can't tell him I'm vulnerable or something. Can we can show that during the interview to be honest versus doing perfection? Because this is a big topic here, especially when you're gonna start the interview from the beginning you join any firm. Yeah, I mean the interview um that's kind of a little bit different. Like my dad always talks about an interview being a first date. And so basically you're putting on your best face, the company's putting on their best face. And like, you're sort of, you know, you're not exactly lying to each other, but you're not exactly telling the full truth. Um, But I do think, I think that to be honest, like I see that a lot in North America as well. But what I see is very much this. and, And to me, I think that you as an interviewee needs to choose where you work, right? And I think once you get experience, once you become an expert, once you once you have, you know, some wins under your belt, you can start to be more choosy around which companies and which managers you work for. And so if they demand perfection, like first off, no one's perfect. Elon Musk is not perfect. Like I agree with you, right? Jeff Bezos is not perfect. Um, so that's an unexpected, like it's an unattainable expectation. And so regardless of what you say, you're never going to reach that goal. And we talk about this in, in the leadership coaching that I do, but it's like perfection. If your standard is perfection, you're always going to fall short and you're always going to beat up on yourself and people will, and if you're demanding perfection from your staff as a leader, they're always going to fall short and you're always going to be mad at them. And so it's like, what are you actually trying to be as a leader? Are you trying to make people better or are you trying to hammer people for not reaching your expectations? And I think that's where I would start with people is like, be choosy on where you work. And then also as a leader, really show up and lean into trying to make your people better. So instead of going, hey, you didn't meet this metric, it's like, well, why? How can I help you hit it next time? What was holding you back from being able to do it? Like dig into curiosity and really change the conversation. So, um, Rob, maybe, you know, one of the things I usually say about... um, for the engineer, junior engineers, or the first graduate, I think most the important element that you need to use is self-acceptance. I think this is really important. I think, yes, vulnerability is not about showing your uh, weakness. It's not, it's, you, 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 I think the power of self-acceptance is extremely important, that you accept yourself that you will do mistake. You accept yourself uh, that you will, uh, that you can you process your feeling. And you accept that you have your own journey. I mean, um, that you don't compare 
to each other you know many i think one of the things that is um, very destructive is comparing yourself especially with the social media because you go to the instagram you go to facebook you see your peers that they post their best moments and behind this picture you never know what's going on you know and i remember there is a famous segment that joe rogan he was talking to elon musk and elon musk he highlight this point that people comparing themselves you know as a ghanam have different path you know um you know there is no like success in the end of the day is feeling my success is totally different than you than atif you know uh, some 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 of them they just believe that success is financial success some people mm-hmm. they they think it's only about the degree that you hold so i think comparing is um, comparison is is a, is a killing and um, and this is what i'm saying for engineers now you don't need to have the conventional way to go maybe you will be a youtuber maybe you do only a podcast and you work on podcast you know it is especially for gen z it is it's totally different so you have your own path and uh, self acceptance self awareness is extremely important to have your own mission in life your own mission statement so you, you know yourself you, you put your mission then you go to your path i think this is uh, is important because definitely you know a, a life will hit you you know i remember this scene of rocky movie i think rocky 5 and he said nobody hit hard than life you know life will hit you and you will be in your knee but this is and i remember this famous quote it is not about how hard you hit it is how hard you can get hit and you keep moving forward you know and i think this is the resilience you know i usually say resilience is the new sustainability that uh, you will have bad day you will cry um, you will feel low but guess what once you have this mentality self acceptance i'm coming back and you will you know and I, i think this is what we need to teach people that self acceptance is the starting point i mean i love it right and it doesn't matter if you're an engineer or not right it's anybody um I read this quote the other day. I forget who said it, but it was basically like true leadership is learning about who you truly are. And it's as easy and as hard as that. And I I think it really is that way, right? And it's it's funny, right? Because what you said about, you know, having a degree and like picking the right profession and all these things um it's it's really hard right and like i'm in the middle of a career transition right now like i'm moving basically i'm trying to move out of an engineering role into leadership coaching into you know organizational change management into like building these cultures of psychological safety and engaged workforces and that type of thing right and it's like i have an mit mechanical engineering degree and when i graduated college my dad said to me like you need a job in engineering because otherwise you wasted all this money to go to MIT right and it's like self acceptance is not about giving up right like i think a lot of people think that that that's like a you know it's like self acceptance is like yeah well i don't have to get better cuz i accept who i am that's not true you're just accepting who you are now and the the struggles that you've gone through now and then you're you're basically accepting that you and you're like you once you accept that you can still grow it just changes the perception of your growth like you always want to get better you can always want to reach you know fulfillment or or transcendence or whatever you want to call like those higher um those higher levels but but it's 
it's really about that frame of reference, right? And that's what you you kind of mentioned, right? It's like if we compare ourselves to Jeff Bezos, we'll never measure up. But if we compare ourselves to where we were yesterday or a year a year ago, and we're better today than we were a year ago, we know more about ourselves, or we know more about engineering, or we know more about the path we want to take going forward. That's a win, and it's really about just leaning into that, and that in itself is going to make your life happier, right? If you compare yourself to, hey, I don't have a Gulfstream G6 or whatever plane, like I'm not going to be happy. But if I say like, hey, last year, you know, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't know anything about leadership two years ago. And now I'm a trained leadership coach. Like this is a win. Like, hey, I'm moving forward in my life. I'm doing better than I was before. And if that's, if, progress is the goal we can always achieve that uh you know there is recently i think disney they put an amazing animation movie called soul i don't know if you see it and um, it's actually about um, a jazz player and uh, it's very deep and in the end you know it talks all about things like um Enjoying the moment, the present moment, you know, the happiness in, the, in, in these details and uh, and uh, in the whole package. So I, I highly recommend the audience to see this movie. It is for kids. Mm-hmm. It's called Soul. And um, it, is, it is an eye-opening, you know, that uh, at the end of the day, it is about how you feel your by. By, by your own, it is your evaluation for yourself. I, I think it is the most important. You know, people they lose their self concept for, for the they trade it with their self image, for the social approval, and I, I think Atif he can talk more about that. And um, many times we lost our uh, dreams and goals just to s- satisfy others because they can't talk. But you know, I salute you that you know. You, you know, you are an MIT guy. He said, "No, what? You know, no, I'm going to another area, and uh, because I believe this is this is my call." And uh, maybe Atif, he want to share also his part of this story here. I first, I, I like, I salute you, and I love you. Like, I like what you said about the changing, jumping career or jumping industry, because to be honest, it's okay. You have multiple purposes in your life. You're not gonna go one side and that's it in your life. You're gonna be a jumping state. You're gonna everyone purpose is gonna be changed in life. But this is he kind of benefit. You're okay. Whatever you need from MIT or whatever from engineer, it will help you now in the management and leadership. Mm-hmm. It's not like it's not a waste. Unfortunately, I know because I'm the, we are we are from the Middle East parents, and we are we are from the Middle East parents, and now it's a new generation, Gen X, Gen Z. The generation after that start changing because in our old generation there were three things either you are engineer doctor lawyer or a farrier this is they was to tell it like that <laughs> unfortunately i for us me and Ghanem, we were lucky we chose it because ourselves no one forced us but for example i know many people like she changed the major it's fine change it okay so what it's okay you know you're not at length you're not you're not you're, okay you're not wasting you're in something from that and i like it like okay you can you didn't like it, you didn't, now you're going to want to grant So what? Okay, fine. You own it. This is what is it's good for you. What is fear? What is happier for you? Because to be honest, like, and I agree with Ghanem, and I agree, like, 
okay, you have to agree your dad or you have to agree the parents or you have to do like whatever your parents think. I understand from where it came, this from a place of love, but sometimes it go too much of a love. It can be toxic sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Especially or you have to do for the people what the people say or for the culture. Screw that. Who, who care about the culture? Like, at the end, you do what you are happy. Like, at the end, I'm the guy who gonna make money or the people who gonna make money. At the end, I'm the guy who gonna be happy or the people. Mm. And then someone will talk. I don't want to say a bad word. Someone will talk something about you. And then you cannot, you cannot please the people. So you cannot please everyone. So be happy. And did I love like so I and you? I like you. What you said about changing, jumping, transition. So what you do about any engineer? Who, because I know three of my friends who's engineer. They change three of them. They change major sometimes. Yeah. I know someone who changed marketing. I know someone who were air hostess, cabin crew. I know someone who's uh, who's now he's now in personal training, gym personal training. He loves gym. So now since we thought that, shall we talk more about it? because universities they never taught us to be honest about career advance or career education, or even they in the in this high school they never taught us about career education. Yeah. They said that only some knowledge, overhead knowledge. Even I call sometimes education is medieval. Sometimes this is what I call it medieval education system. So shall shall career shall be taught from school or from university at least? Because to be honest, this is my what about you? What do you think about it? So yeah, I mean you're you're right, right? Like it's the the reason schools designed the way it is is they want to turn you into basically a factory worker um, from the early 1900s, right? And so it's like sit in the class. Don't say anything, listen to the teacher, do what you're told, and then you'll get a, a B or an A, right? And that's like what it was designed to do. And then basically it creates people who are good at being, you know, paper pushers or middle managers, like that type of thing. Um, now, does it make you happy? No. And like what you guys were talking about there, about, you know, society and your parents and all these things, you're talking about conditioning. And this is the biggest gap that we that I teach as like in leadership is is like conditioning is all the crap that you're told by everybody else that's not you. And it's what you should do or what you yeah, and you even now, you know, like we're all bald, we're all you know, we're all old enough. It's now it can be so deeply ingrained that you actually may believe that that's you. And you go, I should do this. But if you truly got under all that stuff that people put on you, you would go, well, you know, I don't actually want to be a millionaire. I don't actually like think it's going to make me happy. But I've been told or society says, hey, you should have a private jet. You should be, you know, on the beach. You should be this or that. And, and, that's what true, like getting down to like true personal leadership, it's like figure out who you are. Basically, when you came out of the womb, you were a person and you had values and you had skills that you're good at and you had your natural tendencies. And it's like when you were a kid, you were truly you. And then society, your parents, your teachers, your coaches, your adults around you, they lumped a bunch of crap on top of you. And to be honest, a lot of that stuff is not serving you. It's not serving you in a sense that it's not going to help you progress in your career. It's not serving you in a sense that it's going to help you be happy. And like, that's truly it, right? And it's like, there was, there's studies out of, 
I think it's out of Harvard or whatever, but basically it says once you earn more than $75,000 per year, any more money doesn't make you happier. And it's basically that 75 grand is, is roughly about like how much you can pay your bills and eat decent food and own a house and, and own like enough, like a TV and a cell phone and stuff and basically live without being really stressed about money. And then after that, you're, you've capped it out. <laughs> so, so, so Rob, they said money can buy happiness to a certain extent. I did read that. There's Correct. a certain point then money is, doesn't mean anything. And I, 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 I'm sorry for the interrupting, but I remember in a study that uh, uh, pe- they did a comparison between people who won the lottery and people who did the car accident. And they get paralyzed due to that. And after a year, they seem that they have maybe the same amount of happiness and actually it was there is some surprise that there's versus the people who get injured and they start the rehabilitation process they start walking again they feel more happy than people who won the lottery because they feel um, apathy and they are feel the emptiness you know and uh, it was just surprising for me because financial success cannot ensure your you know success story and i remember there is a famous boxer recently his name tyson fury i, I read his story and um, he, won, uh, he was undefeated. He beat all the, uh, and, uh, like, uh, he beat all the guys. And suddenly, out of nowhere, he, he just felt depressed. And uh, then he was very vocal recently. He acknowledged and he came back and he won all his titles. And now, and he, he was saying, I, I witnessed his interview. He said that I don't have magic. I just have lifestyle. I accept more my feeling. I don't compare. And he said, you know, I don't care. And... Recently, many athletes, they care about, quote-unquote, their legacy. I said, I don't care about my legacy. My legacy is how I feel, you know. He said, this legacy, it is an illusion for many people that they sacrifice. And I, I like this uh, thinking that, yeah, what legacy? I mean, uh, legacy is uh, how I feel. This is the true legacy. Uh, yeah, I mean, legacy... It can be important if you use it as a guiding light for yourself. And so where I use mine now and basically the reason why I'm transitioning careers is like one of my values is helping people. And one of the things that I love to do or like really helps me feel good is you know, coming on a show like this or coming on my own show and really like having a great conversation and putting it out there and having it impact other people in a positive way. And I think like if you think about legacy in that way, where you say like, hey, when I'm 80 years old or I'm 90 years old, I can look back and say, you know, I helped a lot of people. Then I think that you can absolutely use it. Now, if you're using it as like, hey, I want to win 100 gold medals. Yeah, like it's nice and like maybe it'll make you feel good. But but at the end of the day, like achievement, just like money is not going to solve your problem. It's not going to make you happy. And, and, you know, it's kind of like what you said about the lottery winners versus the people who got in accidents. Like most of us have a set point of how happy we are. And we've sort of been at that set point basically forever. And like, yeah, there's some ups. Yeah, there's some downs. But we return back to that set point. And there's some stuff that you can do to increase that set point. And like you mentioned one of them, you use the gratitude journal. 
that's going to help you increase your set point. Now, are you going to go from a guy who's a 6 out of 10 in happiness to a 10 out of 10? Probably not, but you may be able to raise it to a 7. But it takes work and it and that's the thing that they don't talk about, right? Is like those people who are learning to walk again, they're getting wins every day when oh, I took a step today. Oh, I got out of my chair today. Oh, I, you know, I walked further today than yesterday. Those are wins that they can bank and they can feel good about. And the lottery winners, they're not getting that. They're just like, hey, I bought a new boat. Well, that's fine. Like, good for you. And like the new boat wears off real quick. And so that's really the thing, right? It's it's about how are you setting up your life to give you those feelings that you want to have, like the positive feelings of impact, the positive feelings of happiness, of connection, of love, like these type of things, which, I mean, we don't talk about in school. We don't talk about in our career. We don't talk about ever, really. So, yeah, okay. I like the, your point about the money, about everything, about your goal and career and social stigma. For me, I have personal experience about money. I have my own opinions. You know, I know money does not make you to happiness, but at least it's an accelerator to to fit your goal. Unfortunately, people con- confuse between happiness and money. They have, they have both of them different routes. For me, I think money is an accelerator to reaching the goal. It's not, it would not make you happiness. People confuse with that. So I have another question, like how we can improve more well-being in the, in the in company construction? How we can improve it, especially in the most of the firm, especially the tradition firms, they don't have this well-being. I, I dare now, any contractor I know it, I work with, they have a well-being department. Yeah. I dare anyone, they have even, I don't know, but there are many engineering companies. They don't. I my ninety-nine percent, my personal opinion, they don't have any this well-being department or something about social or how to how to add that well-being policy. Yeah. Or at least like mental health policy or well-being policy. How we can do that? Like, shall we talk about about it? Shall we talk top management? How we can do that about it? Yeah, and I mean, I see the same out here, right? Like basically every company that I work for has a health and safety department, which is mostly in charge of preventing workplace injuries, right? Because we all work in heavy industry. So it's like, it's mostly about like, how can we avoid, you know, killing somebody or hurting somebody on the job site? Like that's, that's how it is. But for me, I don't think it's necessarily about a department. I don't think it's about policies because we, we know how it goes, like a lot of the companies that I work for, they say like, hey, we have a zero, you know, we have a zero fatality goal or we have a zero LTI goal. We don't want to hurt anybody. That's fine. Studies show that those are basically ineffective. Um, for me, it's about leadership. It's about how are we showing up for each other? And when I say leadership, I, I use the term that Simon Sinek uses. So the Simon Sinek quote that I use, he says, leadership is not a rank, it's a choice. It's a choice to show up and care about the people next to you. And that's where I sit with this, is I think if we are a team, like we're all on teams, if we show up and we care about our teammates, we care about our manager, we care about our direct reports, we can improve the well-being of them. Now, like, is the data back that up? Like 70%, like Gallup reports that 70% of your engagement is directly related to your manager. So it's not about the CEO. It's not about the values on the wall. 
It's not about any department, HR, you know, whatever. It's about your boss. And so if your boss cares about you, it changes everything. And and if you're somebody's manager and you care about them, bang, you've changed everything for them. And so that's really what it's about. It's about start taking ownership of yourself, start taking ownership and show up for the people around you, whether that's your colleagues, whether that's at home with your kids, your wife, your husband, you know, your friends, your community, doesn't matter, show up and just lean into having these types of conversations, lean into emotional intelligence, lean into just supporting people and let's like make the world a better place. I love that because to be honest, like uh, you hit me deep when you said about the boss from themselves, shall, the leadership from themselves shall show either safety or shall be improved, shall be showing empathy to the team, especially the managers. Like I remember I work a couple of business like where the manager, where I one of the issues where I left that department, shift to other department when they give me the reason, it was because of the of my manager. He never make me feel good. Yeah. Really, I, I agree with you. Like I resonate with that. Because there are many departments where I work in. So one of the issues where I left the department is because of the manager. Like there are some management they are and the problem, like the manager who can throw out or the backstabbing or they make the environment so toxic. Like so toxic you don't wanna you don't want to feel you don't have the passion to go and work in the early morning. That's one of the issues, like I have it with most and then the guy like you know, if you can't give me a word, I'm going to reply to you. I'm not that guy. I'm going to be professional. <laughs> so this is my personal opinion. And I, I love to, when you said about leadership, so how we can, um, leadership and per choice, like, so because I understand, like, so to open the podcast, to improve, to empower the leadership, the second podcast, and to better mental health. So you think, do you think like mental health and leadership are overlapped together? Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, absolutely, because it, it kind of comes back to that well-being, right? And kind of that answer that I gave you, right? So for me, work had a significant negative impact on my mental health. Like like I showed up my first year in mining, I saved the company $30 million, and it gave me nothing but grief. They started pushing back on all the work that I did. They didn't want to change. They didn't want to learn. They didn't want to grow. They didn't want to do anything different than what they were already doing. And for me, that was not an environment that was conducive to me feeling the feelings that I need to feel and even not conducive to my values of like growth and learning and improvement and and all these types of things, you know, and it sent me down this path of like depression and basically where I sit today. And so for me, like as leaders, it's not about necessarily being a therapist to your to your direct reports, right? It's not about that because you're not a psychologist, you're not trained in mental health. You, you know, you do not do that. But it's about like really just being empathetic to your people. And really the biggest key for you as a manager is making sure your people know that they matter. And there's kind of two aspects to that. The one aspect is that you matter as a person. So you know their name, you know about their kids, you ask about their personal life, you kind of like know them as a person. And then the other side of that is 
you have to communicate that they add value in their specific role. And that's another piece that we lack a lot in heavy industry is like, well, if I walked out the door today, would there be a new person in my chair on Monday? Probably, right? But it's like, as a manager, we need to communicate like, hey, you know, you add great value because you do this extremely well. And we couldn't find somebody who does this extremely well. And that's a huge need that people need to have. And so that's where I really think it is, is like, we need to start treating people like people. We need to really lean into, you know, it's not necessarily like you need to be friends with them, but you just need to care. And you have to make them feel like they matter. Uh, Rob, I mean, uh, like Simon Sink is one of my, you know, favorite author. I, uh, you know, I read his um, many of his books, and I like uh, leaders eat late. And um, you know, I remember that he was very vocal that he 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 appreciated Jack Wallace of his policy of leadership, but he didn't like that uh, the GE strategy when they cut a lot of people, then they you know suddenly they have a rise in profits, then they lose, and usually he compared them with the. Cost, I think Costco, that they have steady linear, um, you know, uh, profits and they keep their people against any economic shock waves. And, and he said, as he said, he said, why we choose leaders? Because they show up, they show up in the, in the uh, any danger situation. They take care of us. And this is why they consider them leader. And he usually shared his story in the military when he went with the military troop. And he saw the true leadership there in the military forces. So... Uh, I think, you know, as leaders that um, uh, showing that we care about the person, you know, that who is there, that I do care about you uh, and I, you have a value for me as a person, not the work that you do to me. I appreciate you because as a person, I don't only appreciate your work because if the, this equation is different, that I only appreciate because of your quality of the work, then... Uh, there is something wrong because first of all I should appreciate you as a human being and uh, and and you know I do understand we have uh, rules in the organization but for me sometimes it is um, the value of the people is more important than rules uh, that I can sometimes uh, over uh, overgo the rules and uh, just in the sake of uh, the greater good and uh, this is how I can link it also that uh, even if you are an employee, you should sometimes ask uh, and care about the mental health of your leader. It is two ways. It is not only one way. It's very important to show that, that sometimes your boss is in not good mood and you can go to him, hey, what's happening with you? There is something you want to talk? We can go to the coffee. And this is um, what you call the safety climate, healthy self climate in the uh, that you cr- uh, create in the atmosphere. Uh, and... Uh, um, there is a book called Safety Organization. I forget the name of the author, and she's a professor. I forget her name, and she said it's very important to create this uh, safety, relaxed atmosphere and at work. And this is why you know many of the people uh, like the startup. You can see they are very creative because they feel safe. You know, there is no comparison. As Atafi said, there is no stepping back. There is no gossiping. You know, they just very relaxed, and this is where they are very creative. And once the company growing and booming, the creativity somehow goes down. And I think there is a term called uh, when the when the team uh, is called two B's, uh, two slice B's a team. There are few numbers. 
uh, I think more creative there the trust bond is is high to the sky and you know the the climate is is is, is relaxing and they have the space to be creative yeah so it's not about relaxed right what the concept you're talking about is psychological safety and um basically what it means is you're allowed to speak up and share ideas without fear that you're going to get fired or fear of of like retribution now now let's be clear you can't show up and be like hey boss you're an idiot and not get fired like that's not psychological safety like psychological safety is like the ability to innovate and to share an idea like hey what if we did it this way and then like really brainstorm and, and and create that kind of environment. And that that is like one of the key drivers to high performance in the workplace, regardless of industry, regardless of innovations. It's just like it makes less mistakes. It helps you innovate faster. It does all these things. And it's not about being relaxed. It's just about having people be able to speak up and, and like, again, like psychological safety breeds employee engagement. It breeds innovation. It breeds continuous improvement and it's going to breed results. Like this is the, this is how it works. Uh, sorry, really appreciate it. it was really great when I was speaking with you. I understand we're taking much of your time, <laughs> Mr. No Rob. So where people, where people can see you if we want to talk with you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, first off, both of you, thank you for having me today. I've really enjoyed this one. Um, it, was, it was really great to, to chat about all things mental health and all things uh, uh, leadership. Yeah, for me, yeah, um, first off, I, I have two podcasts. So the Leadership Launchpad Project, you can find it on Apple, Spotify, Google, Anchor, basically any of the, the top podcast platforms. That one's about people-centric leadership. Anything you want to learn about what we talked about today from a leadership perspective, hit that one up. The other one I got is called Dismantling the High-Performance Narrative. That one's about mental health and performance. Again, it's on Apple, Spotify, Google, everywhere else too. And then for me, if you want to learn anything about what I'm doing around leadership, mental health, like I also am like, I'm a leadership coach now. I also can offer psychological safety assessments for your organization. So if you want to learn about not only like you can measure it, you can track it and you can learn how to make it better. You can go to robsreliability.com. There's info there on how to get in touch with me, or you can hit me up on LinkedIn. I'm all there. I'm there all the time. And yeah, like uh, would love to hear from you. And absolutely, I'm I'm here to help. So hit me up. Feel free. Thank you, really appreciate it. We'll see you soon for for sure. We'll interview one episode again, <laughs> a new episode for example. Absolutely, reach out next time, and I'll, I'm happy to jo- come back on. Thank you, really appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, guys. Good. To conclude this episode, really, I loved it. I love what he speak about it about mental health and everything. To be honest. There are there are not many episodes, not to be I mean not many podcasts to speak about mental health and injury. Especially I know many of my friends who face it. It's not me only. I know cover my injury who had collab inside, really. I'm not joking. So yeah. So yeah, let's talk and let's discuss about it. And I love if there is any other podcaster or anyone one who can speak about mental health. So 
What do you think about it? Shall we bring him again? Trust me, I, we want to talk about with him a lot of things, but unfortunately he's so busy. He was busy at another meeting. Otherwise, we will still continue go on and on and on. It will be like three hour episode. So how do you like it? And every guy and thank you guys for listening. So we will put it this, you know. When it is air, please if you can put us a feed, you know. As usual, you know, just give us a review in Apple, Podchaser, wherever you want, and talk to us and say to this we like this episode or no. Thank you. Okay, okay, bye. It was nice to meet you and the member guy. We raised by sharing the knowledge to everyone. Sharing is caring. It was nice to meet you guys and wishing you the best. Take care, guys, and wishing you the best. You guys have a good, good day and good night.